Judy's here. She made it. Thank you all for coming out and praying with us tonight. Prayer is so important, isn't it? Jesus, our example, showed us just how important it is. I don't know if we had a request out for it. Is it okay if I share a little bit about Steve? Uh, he's having some issues with his feet. Been going on for a bit. And he's got a doctor's appointment coming up this week. But uh, some of his toes have turned blue. He's having a hard time walking and moving on them. Can't wear shoes. Don't know what it is. So remember him in prayer. I believe in all my heart that is one man when God shows up and touches him, he won't have a problem saying what it was, what happened, what God has done. Maybe that's why sometimes these things come about and happen to us. So we hold this thing here in case it was to go off and try to distract me and everybody else, if you don't mind. That's a good tool, but boy, it sure can get in the way sometimes. Yes, ma'am. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Can you imagine you can't work and you got to have money to live? I cannot imagine sitting in a place like that and you got heart problems. And you don't need to worry and you don't need to have stuff on your mind. But folks, we're made of the flesh. I'm not sitting here telling you that worrying is okay because it ain't according to the word. But you can't help but to a little bit sometimes. And that's, that's what we lift each other up. And that's the reason that we pray for these requests. I got one here, man. I, such a, such a, a wonderful request. Please pray for deliverance for me in all things that are not of God. I don't know who that is, but man, for deliverance. Where do we go to to get deliverance from? Who do we go to? We go to the rock, we go to Jesus, we go to him, and he's the one that gives us deliverance. I want to talk with you tonight, I'm going to go on into the message because this to me is so it's very important for us what we've been looking at and studying because yeah we've had some wonderful wonderful testimonies and God gets the glory for every one of them but folks there's so much more there is so much more that we as a body of believers can make a difference I look at Thomas Road Baptist Church, and I want you to take any misconceptions or anything you've ever heard, but an atheist man got saved one night about 40 years ago, I think it was, wasn't it, 40, 50 years ago, 50 years ago, and look at what that place is now. 
I'm not talking doctrinal differences. I'll let Jesus settle all that stuff. I am talking about people from all over the world. Uh, John, John Calvin that's been here and preached from our church from Africa, from Cameroon. He is going to school there now. What God is doing. And that just goes to show just how much and what he can do in a very short amount of time. 50 years is not any time, folks. I'm 51, and I'm realizing 50 years ain't no time. It was old as dirt back when I was 10. It ain't so old now. But I look at my life, you know, and, and I was talking with my mother-in-law this week while we was down there, and she was talking about her age, and she said, it just don't seem like I'm that old. She said, do you understand? I'm like, yes, I do. I don't do things that I used to do, but uh, not so much long ago, I would hurt for days because I did stuff, because somewhere in here I thought I was still 18, doing things that would make me hurt. Couldn't get over it for a few days. and uh, But 50 years is not a long time. And to know what the possibilities are. That's what I told you this morning. If we know what the possibilities are, if we know what that it's real and it can happen, then we will seek it. Right? We will seek it if that's what we believe, if we know it within our hearts. And the Bible is true and everything that we've been covering lets us know there is so much more for us as a body of believers beyond anything any of us have ever seen in our lives there's so much more and it's my prayer that we can get to that place I believe if we take what we have been uh, learning and if we apply it if we let the Holy Ghost come in and do some arranging in our hearts shine some lights in some places that they need to shine and then we allow him to take over, that we will experience some things. If we want Jesus to come back, we better be, because we're supposed to be on a big higher level than what they were from what we preached this morning. Was that not what the Word said? Amen? That's what the Word said. I showed it to you. That's what the Word said. So why is it we settle for mediocre? And so we're going through this so that maybe, just maybe, something can start happening. This is Overcomers, part eight. Get your pencils out, take some notes because of some good stuff here. We have identified over the last six weeks what the problems are. It's one thing to be able to look and identify the problem. It's a whole other thing to do something about it. It's a whole other thing to know what the solution is and then do something about it. So we're starting now to say, okay, this is the problem. Now we're at the place of looking, well, why do we got the problem? And that's what we're looking at now. We're eventually heading to the place, and as we're going through this, it's actually helping us with the solutions to the problems. Okay, are y'all getting that? That's basically the whole layout of it. But this message tonight is entitled, Adultery Against God. We talked about that a little bit this morning. We were getting on that subject this morning, so we're going to continue on. In James chapter 4 and verse 4, and by the way, just uh, we're going to hit a lot of James tonight, and I'm going to show you some things in James, but just take this week. It don't take long to read James. There's only five chapters. You can get through it right quick. 
and just keep mulling it over. I don't know about you, when we get something from when the kids was little and have to build something for them or put a toy together, I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed, so sometimes I had to look at the directions and figure it out, and I just had to keep mulling it over. And then when it finally clicked, it was like, well, why didn't that click like 30 minutes ago? It's the same thing with the Word of God. If we'll just keep mulling it over, what's going to happen to it? We're chewing on it. We're feasting on the Word of God. And those nutrients are going to get inside of us. And those nutrients are going to make a change in us if we just keep searching and keep mulling it over and let the Holy Ghost do what he wants to do. So James chapter 4 and verse 4. You guys putting that up or not? They are. Adulterers and adulteresses. See, he didn't leave anybody out. If you look in the original text, it would actually kind of has a feminine connotation to it. But this is how, how smart God is. He didn't want us he-men sitting around talking about the women. When God's talking to y'all, look at the picture of what I showed you this morning. We are the bride of Christ. That gives us that feminine connotation. But they knew enough, God knew enough, that when they wrote this and when they translated it, it said adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. See, God doesn't do that. The world has this big thing now, well, why does a loving God do this? Why does a loving God let that happen? We know we live in a fallen world. It's going to rain on the just and the unjust. But when it comes down to somebody not knowing, and we're going to go really deep into this next week, but when it comes down to somebody not knowing or somebody refusing, God didn't do it. He's letting us know right here in Scripture. Remember I've told you, James was the guy holding the ink pen, but it was the Holy Ghost that was telling him what to write. Therefore, it is God's Word. It's a reference point. We know to go James chapter 4, verse 4. Otherwise, you wouldn't know where to go. So we've got those as what we have. But he's telling us, you're the one that does it. God doesn't make us an enemy. We're the ones that causes that. He says, therefore, whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, the therefore is, is basically in the, in the old days in the Jewish people, they were big on repeating things. How many times have you read in the Bible something that you see over and over? Man, we just did it in Sunday school this morning. We saw something in Isaiah. Then we saw it up in the New Testament in Luke. The very words Jesus repeated them. He put it out there so that we would know. So he's basically saying, I'm going to tell you again, just in case you didn't get it the first time, I'm going to let you know. And it's like using bold-faced letters or all capitals or putting an exclamation point at the end of something for emphasis. It's there. What he's saying is this is very important. So when he gives us this one scripture and says the same thing twice, he turned the words around a little bit, but he's saying the same thing twice. He's letting us know this is very serious and don't overlook it. Today in our society, people are overlooking the scripture. We're picking and choosing what we want. Why do we do that? Well, we want our flesh to be happy. We don't go over here no more. They preach this and I don't like that, okay? Okay. But if it's in the Word of God, 
Now it's called disobedience. And if you're in disobedience, you're in a bad place. And in this scripture that he's talking, he ain't talking to everybody in the world. Did you know that? He's talking to believers. He's talking just to believers. Well, constantly throughout James, he's saying, my dear brothers and sisters, my dear brothers and sisters, you can't be a brother and sister unless you're saved, unless you belong to Christ. You see, adultery against God is impossible for an unbeliever to have it. It's true. Because they, they don't belong to him. They don't have a covenant relationship with him. To give you a little picture here, I'm married to Sweetie. This is my woman. This is my wife. Now, I can commit adultery against her, but there is no way that I can go and commit a marital adultery against Allison. I don't have a covenant relationship with you. I've got the covenant relationship with my wife, and that's what the Lord keeps showing us is that we have this covenant relationship. And the only ones who can commit adultery against God are those who have received Jesus. Now the Lord continually uses the imagery of, image, imagery of him being the husband and us being the wife in Scripture. Isaiah 55, 54 and verse 5 says, Your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. That's who the husband is. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. You see, Israel had a problem of unfaithfulness back in the Old Testament. We got to see that a whole lot. But it was because of idolatry. And I want to show you tonight how adultery and idolatry, they kind of go together. It fits right together. And that's the, that's the thing that the devil likes to bring up on us. Let's look in Ezekiel 16 and 38 and said, And I will judge you as a woman, as women who break wedlock. Well, that's the picture of marriage, right? That's the picture of adultery. He said, I'm going to judge you just like these women. In Jeremiah 3 and 20, he says, Surely as a wife treacherously departs from her husband, so you have dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, says the Lord. You see, when we're not taking in the word and the word is not coming in and that's what's coming out of us, we're denying it for whatever reason. We're, if you don't know it, that's one thing. But now we're getting at the place, if you hang out at church long enough, if you'll stay in the word long enough, then you will know what's in the word. And at that moment, we get to make the decision of whether or not we will follow what God has to say. And so he gave us this picture. In John 3, 28 and 29, it says, You yourselves bear witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. This is Jesus talking, and this is John talking about Jesus as being the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. It's the picture that Jesus is the bridegroom. 
I know you've heard that over the years. I want to get that into us so that we understand that when we go against the word of God, then we are committing adultery against God. When we go against his teachings. In Ephesians 5 and 31 and 32, we covered these this morning. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. You see, we are just little, you know, sweetie's a pinky. Maybe she's the first joint on a pinky, and maybe I'm the next joint. But if we all go and we get put together here, we become that body, and we belong to him. And that's what I've been trying to show in the last several weeks. You know, sometimes we can do some things that's going to hurt our brothers and sisters. It can cost them because we are one body. And we have to keep that in mind. And we're going to go where James is talking here in just a minute. You see, the declaration of Judah or Israel committing adultery against God has always connected to idolatry. And it's simple. The people were unfaithful to God. Matthew 12 and 39. I want to show you a little something here. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to them except the sign of the prophet Jonah. He is calling them an evil and adulterous people. Evil and adulterous people because what? They're just seeking signs. So in the Bible, he goes in the book of James and he starts showing us some of these things. You see, it's easy for us to... I'll get there in a moment. It's easy for us to take and maybe try to separate the two, but I want you to take some notes on this. This is James chapter one verses or chapter two verses one through thirteen. I'm only going to read a couple of the verses, but basically what he is going against and talking about is the sin of partiality. That's discriminating against our brothers and sisters. Look in verse eight and nine. If you really fulfill the law, the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbors as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. You see, we look at the big stuff that we call sins, but what he is showing us right here in the Word that is if we have partiality against brothers and sisters, then we commit sin. It's like me looking at the books of who's paying tithes and treat the guys that are putting in a whole bunch of money every year different than the ones that don't put much in. Or we look around, we see how somebody's dressed. Maybe we see how they carry themselves and we have this partiality. And that doesn't mean everybody's going to get along. Okay? As far as having the same similarities. But we are brothers in Christ. Do you understand the picture I'm talking about? I don't walk in this church and start avoiding people. I don't go to the next church and visit with somebody or I don't go to the assembly this, this coming summer and start avoiding people simply because there's something about them I don't like. They belong to Jesus just like I do. Therefore, I cannot have partiality against them. If I do, it's sin. And if I have sin then I'm committing adultery against God because I'm not letting his ways be my ways. And so James is talking to the people of the church. In James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, he is talking about slandering or speaking negatively of others. 
Now this is getting tight on us, I think, sometimes. But let's look at verses 8, 9, and 10. It says, but no man can tame the tongue. It is unlawful, unruly, it is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Hmm. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. You see, he's showing us some things that we can look at ourselves and if we have this slandering or speaking negatively of others, we have to be careful because now we're actually talking about Jesus. Look at it that way. If Jesus is in me and Jesus is in you, here's something that will never happen, friends. He will not fight against himself. He gave a scripture that said, a house divided against itself will not stand. We can't be divided within ourselves inside of this temple. Remember I told you this morning, we are the temple. This is where God dwells. This is where his spirit dwells. And we can't be thrown about by different ways. Jude talks about that. I think Brother Randy's going to get in on Jude here Wednesday night, I believe. But James 3, 13 through 18, he is talking about exhibiting envy and jealousy and selfish ambition. Now, folks, this hits close to home to us, don't it? That's, this has nothing to do with hanging out at the bars and shooting dope in your veins. This is talking about how we act day to day. In verses 14, 15, and 16, we'll read them. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts... Do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. You see, if this is setting inside of me, this envy, this jealousy, this selfish ambition is setting inside of me, it didn't come from heaven, it came from the devil. And it's, it's something that I need to fight myself, you know, fight against it, not let it come in. And if I can't do it by myself, I should be able to come to any one of you, regardless of what my title is, regardless of who I am. I should be able to come to any one of you and say, I need prayer because this is something that's getting a hold of me. And prayer works, don't it? Prayer does work. In James 4, uh, one through three says desiring and pursuing their own pleasures. Now this comes back on prayer. Let's read these first three verses. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? What does that mean? I want pleasure, Danny wants pleasure, and if those two things don't meet up, then we start fighting. And that shouldn't be. He says, this is where it comes from. He asks the question, where does it come from? You lust and do not have. We want stuff and then we don't have it. And then, and then, then he goes on and he says, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. What's he talking about with murder? I ain't killed nobody. But boy, I tell you what, I can tear somebody down with this thing right here real quick. Might as well go ahead and shoot them. If I take and destroy their character, who is a child of God, with this, I've committed murder. He says, you, you murder and covet. You want these things. You want what they have. You want this, 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 and this. Covington is very dangerous and cannot obtain. You fight in war. 
yet you do not have because you do not ask. So instead of talking to God about it, I take things into my own hands because I have covetousness in my heart. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago. And I have those things setting in me. And what does it do? It sets into a chain of events into motion that is going to cause all kinds of turmoil and chaos. God is not the author of confusion. So he says, you do not ask. You ask and do not receive. Now he's going even stronger with us. Now we're asking and we're not receiving. Well, what's that all about? Because you ask amiss. Well, what is that about? What are we asking amiss for? He sits and tells us right here in the very next part of the sentence what it is. That you may spend it on your pleasures. Selfish gain, that's exactly right. We talk to God because about what we want, never once think about what he wants. And then we get mad at him when he don't do what we want. And then we ain't showing up at church, we ain't reading our Bibles no more, and the next thing you know, the devil's done all up, all up in your family and all kinds of troubles going on simply because we didn't take heed to what the Word says. All of these things point to adultery because it's going against God's nature. I got a question for you. Where do all these things that we just read about point to? Who or what? Where does it point to? What? Somebody said it. Self. Self. It points to self. Idolatry and adultery are very closely connected and related, folks. Don't ever forget that. And the biggest and most dangerous idol that you need to guard against is yourself. Couldn't we save a whole lot of troubles if self didn't get in the way? But I'm not hanging at the bars. I'm coming to church. I've been here like 50 times this week. It's got nothing to do with it. Got nothing to do with it. We don't earn our way into heaven. But we become more like Jesus. See, idolatry is prevalent in our society. And it's the same kind of kryptonite that hindered Judah and Israel's success. And it's the same kind of kryptonite or the same kind of stuff that Paul was talking about with the Corinth church that we've been talking about. It's the same stuff. It was what was weakening them. It's the same thing that James is talking about. Right here, that's what weakens us as believers. Do you understand what I'm talking about, brothers and sisters? If we do not get cleansed from these things, if we don't let these things come out of us, then we live in a low place. we got to walk down here, and God's saying, I want you up here. That's my desire for you. I want you walking up here, but you choose not to. And the bad thing is, is we stand at the bad place then, and it's possible, very possible, that we can miss out. It's the same thing that hinders individuals and churches from the success that God has for them in order so that we can reach this lost and dying world. Amen? How many of you got people you know that's lost? How many of you have been witnessing to them and praying for them, but you've not seen a change? There was something about those people in the early church. They had some kind of power. They had some kind of power from heaven that when they showed up, things changed. 
They had some kind of power that the Word of God, when it was talked about, when it was preached, whenever somebody sat down at a table, maybe over, over, a, over a sandwich, and sat and talked about something because they had a relationship going on, and then it was like, hey, this is what's going on in your life. This is what's hindering you in your life. Then they was able to give them that piece of truth, and that piece of truth was able to deliver them. And that's what we need. And then we don't, won't be raising our hands that we know them. Oh, they're in the church with us. They're believers now. God touched them. God saved them. You see, the world has a different kind of motivation than what the church is supposed to have. James says that you only want what, get, what will give you pleasure. He says that is the way of the world. You see, the world is motivated by selfish desire. Ever since I was a little boy, everybody told me, you deserve to go to college. You deserve to have a good job. You deserve to have a nice house. You deserve to have a bank account. You deserve to have all these things. You deserve to be able to go on vacation every year, wherever you want to go. You deserve to have that. That's how all the lending institutions can get people in trouble, because you deserve it. That's how we had a, the stock market crash or the housing crash of 2008 because they have given loans that people couldn't afford. The bubble got so big it had. Why? Because you deserve it and I'm going to give it to you. And here's the thing, that the, the, the bad stuff that's behind it. Forrest, I'm going to let you get this house and I'm going to make sure you get the money. And two years down the road when you're tired of eating bologna and cereal, something happens and you lose it. And I don't care. Because it's now coming back to me and it's worth more than it was when you bought it and I'm making money on it. See, that's the kind of stuff that the world does. That's how the world looks at things. But we shouldn't. We shouldn't be looking at things that way. In 1 John 2 and 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father but of the world. These things and these mindsets that come from the world, sometimes they might even have a little piece of scripture attached to them. But we have to have the whole counsel of God. Amen? I mean, I can use one scripture and have you all want to go out and hang yourself. Right? Hey, y'all failed Jesus this week. He wanted you to reach somebody. You thought had this thought or whatever. Be like Jesus. Go hang yourself. Now, Y'all don't want to do that. I'd be like David Koresh, lead the people in Waco. I don't want to be that kind of a guy. But that's, the, that's how this stuff happens. That's how people fall into these things. And you want to know something? We, we sit here and we, we, we want things. We want to fill our desires. We want to do what people have told us. Maybe somebody's standing in a pulpit somewhere that takes and twists the word of God to motivate people. It's very easy, you know, I looked at a place the other day uh, on, a, on a show and they were talking about history and they showed this big place in, in Europe off of the northern coast of Germany. It was a place that they brainwashed people. You showed up there, you're seeing things you've never seen, you're treated like a, a king. And then all the while they got posters on the walls, they've got movies and TV shows, things that they're showing. They're having little get-togethers in auditoriums all to get the people thinking one way, just to get their minds. It's called brainwashing. Amen? That's what it's called. It's called brainwashing. It's easy to take people and to do that with them, particularly if that's the way they want to go. It's so easy to lead them. It's so easy to take them to that place. But to commit adultery with this world 
We have to have this entire intense burning desire to receive to fulfill our physical pleasures, our five senses that we have, if you will. We always want to be able to do that. We always want to feed our self-worth. Oh, look at me. Look what I did. Don't look what Jesus did. Look at me. Look what I did. And we do all this out of pride. Pride is the one thing that drives us in that. And we have to make sure that we go against that. That's what the world wants to do. The world says you deserve that and the world will feed our pride. But don't you realize that God, he has this desire. He has this motivation within him. He has a passion about him to do what's best for us. That's why we got the Bible. The world tells us that we deserve this. It, it's like, a, it's like a, this lustful lover that is enticing us away from God. That's what the world does. So that we'll go against God. And all the while, God is wanting us to know that what he has is actually what's best. It's what's better. And that's a truth that every one of us need to set firmly inside of our hearts. When a piece of truth lands in our lap that we do not like, understand and know this. God's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's saying, let this come in and let me, let this flower grow and let this fruit come from this plant. And when it comes in, it's going to go out to the world. It's going to go out to the people that need to see it. That's what we hold on to. James 1 and 16, he says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You see, God don't fool us. He's not out to fool us. There's no change in him. He is who he is. You want to know who God is? Pick up your Bible and read it. You want to know what his character's about? Pick up your Bible and read it. You want to have an intimate relationship with him? Have prayer time. Prayer time like we had tonight. Have prayer time throughout your day and get to know who he is and let him come in and let him do what he wants to do. Let him do in your life what he's wanting to do. That's what it's about. Otherwise, to think otherwise, we deceive ourselves. You see, there's nothing good outside of God. That's a true statement. There's nothing good outside of God. It doesn't matter if it seems right. It doesn't matter if it's beneficial in its appearance. It doesn't matter if it makes you happy. It doesn't matter if it's something that's humorous or fun. It doesn't matter if it's acceptable in our society. It doesn't matter how popular it is, and it doesn't matter how rich it'll make you. If it's outside of God, it's bad for you. And that's what we need to keep ourselves focused on. Proverbs 14 and 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. We've got to let this come into our hearts. I've got one more for you, and I want you to put it up, guys, and follow, because here's what I want you guys to do. 
You know, I've done this with the love chapter, right? You're putting your name in there on 1 Corinthians 13. Love is this. If you put your name where love is, and you know whether or not you're walking in it. But here's one for you. Proverbs 7 and 24 through 27. Everywhere that, that, uh, everywhere that the, the he or, or that she or her shows up in this scripture, I want you to put the world. I'm going to read it that way for you. You read it how it says up there. I'm going to read it the way to put it in. Verse 24 says, Now therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Verse 25. Do not let your heart turn aside to the world's ways. Do not stray into the world's paths. For the world has cast down many wounded. And all who were slain by the world were strong men. Don't think for a minute that if you follow the ways of the world that you won't fall. You will. You will. Verse 27. The world's house is the way to hell. Descending to the chambers of, of death. You see, your relationship with God is your life. The world seeks to seduce us into adultery against God. Do we allow it? Sometimes, and we shouldn't. The best way that we overcome that is that we wholly seek God. Everything that his word says, we apply it. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and we're going to pray and I want you to pray these questions because these are the things that's going to help us to grow. What can you do to ensure that you're giving God your all? Is there something in your life that can change? How's your schedule? That's one that hits us very close to home in this day and age. How's your schedule? Do you protect time for God in it? Do you protect time to have Bible reading in it? Do you protect time to have prayer time? Do you protect time and have time for fasting? How's your schedule? Where does God fit in it? I challenge you over the next couple of weeks, I want you to start writing down your reading times, your prayer times. Just keep yourself a little journal. So you'll know. Otherwise, you go back up here to what James says. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Are you looking for ways to serve God? Are you looking for ways to serve God inside of this church? Are you looking for ways to serve God maybe in your workplace? You know, when you go to, go to your job, you can actually do it for the glory of God. Smash your finger with a hammer. You say, oh, thank you, Jesus. I love you. It hurt, but I love you. Your coworkers are going to look at like you like you're a nut. That might open the door so you can tell them about Jesus. Because then they can see the light shining out. Are you looking for ways to serve God in this community where we live? It may not be a church thing that we're doing but you can show up and be a light for Jesus I'm going to leave you with one final thought and I want us to pray along these lines tonight only you 
Only you can adultery proof your relationship with God. We're getting the tools here to see. We're getting the tools here. Do we have envy and deceit in us? Then we need to adultery proof our relationship with God. That's what this is about tonight. Read the book of James. Let it sink in. Those things that come upon us, folks, that's what the devil's doing to help us to not be a powerful church, not to be a powerful individual. So we're going to take a few minutes. We're going to close out with this prayer tonight. George is going to give us some music here, and I want you to take those questions and put them to heart. And yet it takes self. It, we we got we to sit here and we got to examine ourselves. It ain't about me examining you, you examining me. It's about us getting with God and looking at what he's showing us. Amen. So let's pray.